So here we are at the top of a brand new year. And we've decided we're going to do something we've never done before here at Sibylla Creek. We are going to explore a single topic all year. Because we think it's that important. Now, we're going to look at it from a hundred different angles. But we're focused on one topic all year. We've set our sights on trying to better understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ. We talk a lot about it. If you read the scriptures accurately, it's certainly a high priority for the church. So we're going to take a whole year. And we're going to explore the idea, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And last week, um, Joe was sharing with you a bit of a framework that we've all come together as a a staff and leaders of our church. We've all come together around the discussion that we've had for the better part of two years. Trying to figure out how exactly are we going to approach this? How are we going to define it? What words are we going to invite our church family to embrace and understand as as a way to grasp the idea of being a disciple of Jesus? And Joe was giving us a framework for that. And so here's here's where we've landed. And this is how uh, we're going to speak to this topic over the next year and and into the future here at Sibyl Creek. That to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to spend some time with Jesus. You have to be with him. The Gospels portray the disciples as spending time with Jesus in all sorts of different environments and situations. But in order to become a disciple of Jesus, you have to know Jesus. You have to know his heart and his mind and how he looks at things and how he understands things. And so you have to spend time with Jesus. We're going to explore that. You have to become like Jesus and spending time with him. You learn what he's like. What are his character qualities? What are his virtues? What are his attitudes? What are his values and priorities? And then he calls us to become like him in those priorities and those values and those attitudes. And then very practically, we're called to imitate Jesus. So we're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to look at how he lived his life on this earth. We're going to figure out what are we called to do as followers of Jesus. So here over the next few months, we're going to look at this first idea of being with Jesus. In fact, I'll just give you a heads up. This is a little what our year looks like. January to April, we're going to explore the idea of being with Jesus. This summer, we're going to, we're going to explore what it means to become like Jesus. And then our fall programming through November will be what what did Jesus do and what do we do to imitate his life? Does that make sense? Anybody not want to do this? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) So so this idea of be with Jesus, it it actually encompasses a number of different dimensions. For some people, it'll be the start is just to have a relationship with Jesus. Not some information about him, but to actually have a relationship with him. Some of you, you're still trying to figure that out. 
Some of you haven't, you haven't decided to follow Jesus. You don't, you don't think of yourself as having a relationship with him. So for some of you, to be with Jesus is to start there, to explore the idea of having a relationship with him. It's about spending time with Jesus. Like cultivating habits in our day, our week, our month, where we spend time with Jesus. And then going about nurturing a relationship with Jesus. Like how do we cultivate it to where it 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 feels like it works, like it matters, and like it, it makes a difference. And we're going to explore this all with the understanding that, hey, the truth is you can't see him. You can't talk to him like you and I talk. You can't hear back from him like we might expect in a typical conversation. And, and we all know you can't hang out with him like we hang out with each other. It's not like, hey, Jesus, want to go do a round of golf? Wanna go grab a burger? We'd like to be able to do that, but we can't. So somehow we have, to, we have to figure out what does it mean to spend time with Jesus, to be with Jesus, recognizing that the relationship with him is completely unique and different from any other relationship that we share as human beings. Does that make sense? So in, in the story of Jesus, as described by the four gospels. Um, we, meet, we meet these characters called the Pharisees. And at this point in the, you know, the historical, we look back. And actually the account of the, the Pharisees in the gospels, they are at a place where as Jewish leaders, they become very corrupt. Maybe sometime I'd love to explore with you the, the origin of the Pharisees. It's a very noble beginning. It's an incredible story. Unfortunately, the nature of sin in the human heart, when it gets wrapped up in really religious situations, it spoils it. So by the time we meet them in the gospels, they, they have been um, compromised in their original calling. And, um, but, but here's the thing. Too often we portray the Pharisees as sort of like these buffoons. These like... Um, Jewish keystone cops, which isn't really accurate at all. The Pharisees were without a doubt the most intelligent group of people that existed in the nation of Israel in the first century. They were highly disciplined, particularly in their study of the Old Testament scriptures. They were experts when it came to understanding the Mosaic law as recorded in the Old Testament. They were so intelligent, highly educated, deeply devoted to their understanding of what it meant to be the people of God. And so it's interesting when we encounter the Pharisees in any exchange with Jesus and these incredibly intelligent, deeply spiritual men, Jesus runs circles around them. And it's interesting to see what Jesus understands versus what the Pharisees understood. Does that make sense? So I want to look at an exchange between Jesus and a Pharisee that's incredibly instructive about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So if you have your Bible, and I encourage you to bring your Bibles to Sibilo, we'll, we won't go to all the passages, but if you have a, pa a Bible 
If you have it on your phone, come with me to the Gospel of John. Those of you who may be new, if you just have a New Testament, you're, you're in luck. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the fourth book in John. Feel free to use your table of contents. John chapter 3. We read this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees. Okay, just for context, I want to remind you. Pharisees, Pharisees highly intelligent. Deeply devoted to the Jewish scriptures. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, his name was Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council, so he was a leader in his community. And he came to Jesus at night. Now there are lots of conjecture about why that might have been. Probably because of his position of influence and because of the current butting of heads between the Pharisees and Jesus, he, he didn't want his other Pharisee friends or the Jewish ruling council to know that he was meeting with the bad guy, Jesus. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, here's what we know about you. We know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So me and my, my peers, we've, we've concluded this much about you, Jesus. You're, you're a teacher and you, you've come from God. You're, you're different than all the rest. And in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Remember, highly intelligent person. And Nicodemus asked, wait a second, how, how can a man be born again when, when he's old? I mean, he, he can't, it's not like he can enter his second time into his mother's womb and be born. I mean, what are you talking about? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus, highly intelligent person. <laughs> How can this be? I don't, I don't get this. Jesus said, wait a second. You're, you are Israel's teacher. You're the one the nation of Israel learns from, the Pharisees. And you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe that. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. That's me, the son of man. And then skip down to verse 16. This is where the, probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible. This is the conversation it comes from. For God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but should have eternal life. For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So I think there's some very interesting observations to make about a relationship with Jesus from that conversation. And I'm I'm just going to highlight three. We could probably highlight 33, but let's just focus on three. We know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, actually, Jesus was more than a teacher come from God. What Nicodemus will eventually come to understand that Jesus is God come to earth. But here's something that's highlighted by, we know this about you. A relationship with Jesus is different. It's different. You're different than all the other teachers. You're different in how we encounter you, how we interpret you. And and what we've decided is that evidently there's some sort of divine quality to your life. What we have to understand is that there is not a single relationship in all of our life that is exactly like a relationship with Jesus. There's no relationship between peers, between friends, between spouses, between family. There's no other relationship on earth that even begins to compare to how unique a relationship with is, how a relationship is with Jesus. We're talking about something totally different. So we can't just presume that having a relationship with Jesus works exactly like I have a relationship with anybody else. This one is truly unique because we're dealing with God. Does that make sense? There's no other relationship on earth like having a relationship with Jesus. So it's different. I'll explain why that's important to understand here in a minute. You are a teacher come from God. A relationship with Jesus is different. Then Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone when you start talking about the realm of the spirit. And it highlights something. A relationship with Jesus can be mysterious. Jesus thinks and sees and understands things from a a dimension that we don't even begin to grasp. Most of us, we are fixated on the temporal, the here, the now, the physical, the tangible things of life. And we have to understand that Jesus looks at life from a completely different perspective. He understands life from a spiritual dimension. Most of us, we live in complete ignorance that there's an entire spiritual dimension of life that exists around us because we can't see it. And that's all that Jesus sees. So if we're going to begin to have a relationship with Jesus, we have to understand we're going to be introduced some things that don't make sense to us. It's mysterious in nature. We can't put it under a microscope and examine it and put it under facts and figures. There's going to be a part of it that we don't always understand because of its uniquely spiritual nature. Third thing. Jesus says, I've spoken to you guys of earthly things and you don't believe some of what I say about that. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? A relationship with Jesus can be challenging. It can be hard. 
It can be difficult. Jesus is going to introduce us to things, to ideas, to actions that won't make sense to us. In fact, we won't even want to do them his way. A relationship with Jesus is challenging. Now, here's why I'm telling you that. Because if somebody describes it to you as being easy or normal or typical, they're misleading you. It's probably out of arrogance. They want you to think that it's easy. Maybe it's more familiar to them because they've been at it longer. They've had some time to work through the mysterious, the difficult, and the different. But for anybody, particularly those of us who are just beginning exploring this idea of having a relationship with Jesus, you need to know that it is challenging. And here's why I think you need to know that. Because if you go into it thinking that it's easy, that it's normal, or that it's typical, just like any other relationship, there's a really high chance that you'll end up being frustrated and confused and disappointed in yourself. If you think having a relationship with a divine spirit being is easy and it doesn't seem to come easy to you, you get frustrated, you don't know how it works, you don't understand it, I talk and I talk and I talk and I never hear anything back, then you get frustrated and you get confused and then you end up concluding, I just don't have what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus. I must be a loser. That's why you need to understand that it is at times different and it is mysterious and it can be challenging because if you go into the relationship recognizing that it's different, that it's mysterious, that it can be challenging, then the expectations for that sort of thing are set and you're not confused and disappointed when it doesn't seem to come easy to you. Because the last thing, I'm, I'm convinced of this, the last thing that God wants for you in a relationship with Jesus is to end up feeling like a loser. That was not his intention at all. In fact, quite the opposite. So I think it's my responsibility to be honest with you about exploring a relationship with Jesus as being different, as being mysterious, as being challenging, so that we can go into it as an adventure to figure out how does it work? And when it doesn't work, then evidently there's more to explore and understand. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? What, do you think I was just killing time asking the question? So what we're going to explore over the next couple weeks is the different and the mysterious and the challenging. So here's, here's the thesis. If, if a relationship with Jesus is different than all other relationships, if it is in fact mysterious, and if a relationship with Jesus is challenging, then... A different, mysterious, and challenging relationship with Jesus requires something unique in order to nurture it. Because the relationship with Jesus is different than any other relationship, we'll have to go about cultivating it differently. If a relationship with Jesus can be mysterious, then we'll go about cultivating it sometimes in mysterious ways, things that don't seem normal or make sense to us. If a relationship with Jesus is challenging, then we might have to accept the fact that some of what it takes to nurture a relationship with Jesus can be challenging.
Because it's a relationship like no other in its mysterious and challenging nature. You with me so far? Okay. So in order to have a relationship with Jesus, you ready? You ready? Come on, are you ready? If we're gonna have a relationship with Jesus, we're gonna have to learn how to believe and understand some things that are different, mysterious, and challenging. We might have to start looking at life through a different lens. We might have to begin to wrestle with some beliefs that we've previously dismissed. And if a relationship with Jesus is different and mysterious and challenging, we might have to do some things that when we first get started in them, they seem really different. I've never done this before. Or they could be really mysterious, like I don't know how this works. Or they could be really challenging, like this is hard. I, I don't know if I'm doing it right. But that's all necessary. If the relationship is as unique as it really is. So let's think about this. What, what would I have to believe differently? Mm. <laughs> so we have to talk about faith. Ooh. Faith. A little, little zing on the end. In the last oh, several years, I've become really intrigued with the topic of faith because it's so largely misunderstood, even among Christians. So let's talk about faith. <laughs> let's, let's talk about faith. Um, <laughs> before faith got all religious on us, it was just a word. It was just a vocabulary word. It was just a word that translators ended up choosing to sort of represent some ideas as they were translating the scriptures. But, okay, so here's the deal. The word faith, before you get all religious about it, the word faith just means trust. That's all it ever meant. And the, the, and the translators of scriptures, they, they ended up choosing the word faith. I, I really wish they would have just chosen the word trust because it would help people make sense of reading their Bible so much better. So we see the word faith. Sometimes it's translated believe, which is only half right. It's all about trust. Faith equals trust. So here's what faith is. Faith is accepting some beliefs to be true and then placing one's trust in those beliefs. That's what faith is. Faith is simply accepting some truths to be trustworthy and then living my life based on those beliefs. You with me? So, so I talk to people all the time and they wanna tell me I don't live by faith. I don't have a faith. I don't do the faith thing. They do. They just don't understand what faith is. Because every single person on the planet, the most irreligious person you'll ever meet, they live by faith. 
They have a set of beliefs that they've accepted to be true and they place their trust in those beliefs. When a person tells me, no, I don't do the faith thing, I don't live by faith, what they're saying is, I don't live by the beliefs that you have accepted to be true. My beliefs include God, include an understanding of the scriptures. My faith, my beliefs include something about an understanding of Jesus. All they're saying is, I don't believe that. And so it's interesting to watch somebody who's not a Christian try to explain that they don't have a faith by declaring their faith. And I say, um, well, let me ask you some questions. You believe in God. I don't believe in God. Okay, you just told me what your faith is. You believe that there's no God. That's your belief. I say, uh, do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world? No, I don't believe that. I don't even need a savior. Why, why would I mess? Okay, you just told me what your faith is. I'll ask, do you believe in life after death? And they go, no. That, that heaven and hell stuff, that's just used to manipulate people and scare them. Okay, you just told me what your faith is. You don't believe that heaven and hell exist, that they're for real at life after death. So what you believe is you're gonna die, you're gonna live in a box for a few months and you're gonna rot. That's what you believe. And you're placing your confidence in that. And so people who aren't Christians, they, they tend to, devalue a Christian's faith because it's so spiritual and religious and biblical and it's just, they like to dismiss it as being um, stupid, basically. So they like to describe their faith as, um, my faith is more intellectual or my faith is more rational or reasonable. My faith is more philosophical. My faith is more um, uh, scientific mathematical, these are the things that I believe, okay? So you're just saying that your faith rests in these philosophical, mathematical, scientific, intellectual categories. I'm just saying that my faith rests in a series of beliefs that have different categories. So it's interesting to press back on that and say, do you know that some, at a point in history, the most intelligent people in all the world believed that the world was flat? And then some new information came to light and they began to conclude, oh wait, there's a globe. And what we see, particularly in the study of science, is that the more knowledge that we gain, the more our understanding of science evolves. And if we've seen anything in the last three years, we can see that science is often used as propaganda and ideology. And you're just saying that that's what you put your faith in. That's what you're trusting in. And I'm just telling you that it has the history of changing. So your faith is not any more reliable than mine. It's just that it's different. Did you follow all that? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to I share with you some historical Christian beliefs that Christians have put their trust in that come to bear on this idea of having a relationship with Jesus. Because having a relationship with Jesus requires faith. And faith is simply a collection of beliefs that I've come to trust. So I wanna share with you a number of historical Christian beliefs that inform a Christian's decision to pursue a relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, there's going to be a lot of them. It's going to seem like a lot. But they're all important. You ready? Oh, 
yeah. Oh, I like that. In fact, you, you might want to um, write, write this down. Look at this. This is what Hebrews tells us. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope. This isn't hope like I hope I win the lottery. This is hope like what I trust to be true and will happen. Now, faith for Christians is a confidence in what we hope for. In fact, it's the assurance about what we do not see. So Christians, Christians come to understand some things to be true, even though I can't touch it, I can't taste it, I can't put it under a microscope, I can't see it with my eyes, but I understand it to be true because of where it comes from. It comes from God. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. Watch this next verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We, we can't even get into a relationship with God without faith. We have to be open to some new beliefs and they may be different and they may be mysterious and they may be challenging to understand. But without faith, it's impossible to believe God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What does that mean? That God will reward relationship with those who will diligently pursue what it takes to understand a relationship with Jesus. This isn't easy. This isn't typical or normal to every other relationship in life. You have to earnestly seek a relationship with Jesus because it's different. It's mysterious, it's mysterious and it's challenging. It takes a little bit of effort on a part of a human being to pursue a relationship with the living God. It's, it's shameful that the church over the past few centuries has tried to make this as just the simple little thing that you just like rub your Bible and hope get some good luck out of it. it that's not how it works. You can't just read a verse and expect to somehow I have my relationship with Jesus for the day. We have to earnestly want it, pursue it, follow after it because it is a completely unique relationship in all of life. Does that make sense? Okay, so he said, were you going to tell us some historical beliefs? Yes, it's just that I forgot I had these verses in my notes and I needed to get there first. Here's fundamental beliefs. And when I say fundamental, not as it's portrayed in the news. I'm talking about like foundational. I believe that God exists as an infinite divine spirit being. You have to start there. I mean, Hebrews just told us that. So as a Christian who's interested in a relationship with Jesus, I begin with this understanding. As different as it is, as mysterious as it can be, as challenging as it may be to get my arms out, I begin with, wait a second, there is a God. He's sovereign and he's infinite and he's divine being. Second, I believe that God is actively engaged in all aspects of my life. Not only in my life, but in your life. In your life, in your life. Actively engaged in every single thing that's going on in your life. That's the infinite sovereign God that I believe in. He knows everything about you. And he cares about everything about you. Third, I believe that God knows everything I think and feel. 
I believe that. I have reason to believe that. In my study of God in the scriptures, I've come to believe. He knows everything. He knows everything that I think. My doubts, my questions, my cynicism, my skepticism. He knows all of that. And he knows how I feel. He knows my fears. My anxieties. My rage. My joy. My peace. He, he knows all of that. Bible describes that he is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. I believe that the scriptures are a reliable revelation of what God wanted us to know about himself. I trust this book, the Bible, to be a source of divine revelation where I understand and discover the truths that God wants me to know so that I can have a relationship with him. This is extremely critical to an understanding of our faith and what we conclude about a relationship with Jesus. I believe what God reveals to be true about Jesus. This is huge. In many ways, this is the linchpin to what it means to be a Christian. I believe that what God has revealed in the pages of the scripture about Jesus to be true. And therefore... I believe that Jesus is God, come to earth, the savior of the world. I believe that. I believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. There's witnesses, there's accounting, there's evidence. Jesus resurrected from the dead that puts him in a completely different category of any other single person that's ever lived in human history. It's worth sitting up and taking notice of. I believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And because I believe he resurrected from the dead, he is alive today as he was while on this earth. So this idea of having a relationship with a living, risen savior, it's, it's not impossible. It may be different it may be mysterious, it may be challenging at times, but it's not impossible. I believe a relationship with Jesus is possible. He, he wouldn't have invited us into one if it were not possible. I believe that Jesus invites us into a relationship with himself. He's, he's calling you by name, come to me. I want to have a relationship with you. And you go, I can't even see you. Yeah, it'll be different. I don't even make, it doesn't even make sense most of it. Yeah, it's, it's a little mysterious. If all you see is the earthly, the temporal, the finite. I, I've tried before and it just didn't work. I read my Bible. I said my prayers. I did the stuff. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's challenging. In fact, it's really challenging when it gets challenging. And most people quit and give up. But those who earnestly seek me, we plow through that which we don't understand until we understand it a little bit better. Because all of these things I believe to be true, I believe that because Jesus is alive, I venture out in search of enjoying a relationship with a living risen savior named Jesus. It's an adventure. I go into it thinking this will be different. 
this is mysterious. I go into it thinking this is going to be hard at times. I, but it's not impossible. Does that make sense? We're just getting started. When I was a kid, I, I, I started attending church when I was in the third grade. Had lots of questions, still do. Um, but I ran across the verse. I don't know, maybe Sunday school or Awanas or something. I read this verse. And it intrigued me. I was like, that's really interesting. In fact, this verse has been the subject of several paintings throughout history. Artists trying to capture this verse in some sort of a illustration. And um, it's always a picture of Jesus standing at a door. And if you'll look closely, the door doesn't have a door handle on the outside. In other words, Jesus will only come through the door if the person on the other side opens it. As a kid, I thought, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Jesus, here I am. This is Jesus. Here, look, look, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about the door of your life, your heart, your mind. I stand at the door and knock if anyone, I don't care, who you are, where you've been, what you've done, how many times you've done it. I don't care what you believe. I don't care if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. He said, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's one of the most intimate portraits of first century relationship is when people met each other began falling in love with each other, they would share meals together, just sitting across the table. We had relationship. And that's the picture Jesus says, hey, look, hey, 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 here I am. God, come to earth, died to pay for your sins so I could be your savior. And I would love to have a relationship with you every day. I'd like to get together and talk and visit and discover and enjoy. I would love to have a relationship with you if, if, if you'll open the door and just invite me in. And I'll just go ahead and tell you so there's no disappointment. I'll come in and it'll be different. There's some of it won't make any sense to you. We'll just have to work that out over time. And I'll tell you, it's going to be mysterious because I operate on a plane that you're not familiar with. And you're going to have friends and they're going to roll their eyes like, oh, yeah, they've gotten weird. No, I haven't gotten weird. I've gotten mysterious. <laughs> and it will be challenging. Uh, Jesus, I'm not going to lie to you. This will be challenging. I talk about sacrifice. I talk about taking up your cross and following me. I talk about losing your life so you can find out. It's going to be challenging. I'm going to invite you outside of your comfort zone to discover some things about you and me that you can never imagine possible. But it is going to be an adventure that is unparalleled in all of life if you have a relationship with me. But you're going to have to open up your stubborn mind and learn to believe some things that are different, that are mysterious, and can be challenging. 
So here's where I want to start with this idea of having a relationship with Jesus and spending time with him. I want to begin with the idea it is unique, unlike any other relationship in all of life. So here's where we're going to go over the next couple of weeks. You can't cultivate a uniquely spiritual relationship without honoring some uniquely spiritual habits. Does that make sense? How, how, do we, how do we propose to connect on a spiritual level with a divine being unless we explore some uniquely spiritual ways of doing that? So that, that's where we're going to go. In order to spend time with Jesus, we must allow for what is different, mysterious, and challenging to the typical conventions of what it takes for you and I to have a relationship. Wish I could, wish I could show you the look on your face. Okay, this is not my note. This is always dangerous. Some of you, you have a critical decision to make right now. Because for some of you to all, all this is new and different or maybe really old and you're tired of it, you're going to hear what I've described today and the fact that we're going to explore it a little bit further and you're going to go, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. Because it sounds so mysterious and you're not comfortable there or it sounds like you've heard it a million times and this won't be any different and you're tired and exhausted of trying to follow Jesus and it doesn't work and you're going to decide you know what we're going to do this all year well, I guess I'm finding another church at least for the year <laughs> some of you that's the decision you have to make right now I am coming back next Sunday and the one after that because I'm going to earnestly seek him. Make a good choice. You guys are awesome. Thanks for, thanks for listening to me. So here's a place to start. It's just a, it's just a way. Part of that relationship with Jesus is a conversation with him called prayer. And you go, yeah, I've been doing that for years. It never works. Okay. Earnestly seek him. We're, we're going to try. So we're going to go into, we're about to embark on a 30-day prayer challenge. I'm just inviting our church family to pray. Go to our website or on your copy of the creek. I think there's a QR code. Take a picture of that with your phone. You get a copy of this 30-day prayer challenge. You can join in at any time. Do it to whatever degree you're comfortable. We provide you some topics to pray about. Maybe for you, that would be one minute because it's so new to you. But consider being a part of this 30-day prayer challenge. You can print this off from the website. Or you can have a copy of it on your phone. There's a way for you to text us your number so that we can send you the prayer challenge every day on your phone. You do it to the degree that you want to get involved. But I'll just tell you. One of those uniquely spiritual things that people do to nurture a relationship with a uniquely spiritual savior is prayer. Make sense? All right. I ask you to stand together. 
If not, if I've not had the chance to meet you, I'd love to do that. I'll be available over here on the left-hand side of the auditorium after the service. I'd love to make your acquaintance. Just come up and introduce yourself. Our Father in heaven, we're just grateful that you have made yourself available to a relationship with human beings. You didn't need to do that. But you loved us. And you wanted a relationship. You came to this earth in the person of your son, Jesus, and made it all very real. And through his resurrection, it's just as real today as it was then. And you stand at the door and you knock and you ask if anyone will just open the door. I'll come in and we'll begin exploring a relationship. So I pray, Father, you'll start a work in all of our hearts that will long to understand better what it means to have a relationship with your son, Jesus. We pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.